Good to be back with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 14. Psalm 14. Sometimes as believers, we tend to get in the habit of, we know things. We know God is real. We know God exists. We know how good and great He is. And and all these different things that, that we've learned all through our lives and growing up and in Sunday school and all those different things. But sometimes we begin to take it for granted and we forget some things or uh, we forget that we knew some things. And, and uh, we uh, oftentimes just let our, our doctrine, our belief, our understanding of who God is goes to the way, go to the wayside. And so... Uh, we've got to have a good foundation about who God is. And, and so today I, I want to start looking at that. In, in Psalm 14, uh, we're going to understand and, uh, or better understand and maybe remember the reality of God. From the beginning of time, uh, without a doubt, the human race has uh, been filled with questions and uh, questions about life, questions about death, questions about uh, purpose. What is the purpose of life? Uh, there are questions about the meaning of life. There are questions about love. There's questions about hate and good and evil and, and a plethora of other kinds of questions that, that revolve around our understanding and what we want to know and understand. But I, I submit to you today that there are two great questions that have to be answered before any other question should be asked. Otherwise, every other question doesn't really have meaning and, and is kind of pointless. And, and in the end, if these other two questions aren't asked and answered, then all of our other questions are really unanswerable. So the first question is simply this. Is there a God? Is there a God? Or to put it another way, is God created in the image of man or is man created in the image of God? Well, we know according to his word that we are created in the image of God, but we, we've got to be sure about that because a lot of people in the world's eyes, they fit God into a box and how they want God to be and how they, 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 want, to go, how they want God to exist and, and what they think He should be and, and what they feel that He would do or, or be like. And so the, this particular question, it determines whether life, it, it's an appointment for something or it's just an accident and really kind of pointless. But even if that question is answered in a positive fashion like we know it should be, there's another question that has to be raised or another question that, that deserves to be asked or, or we're not really any better off. And that question is this, if there is a God, and I, I believe wholeheartedly today that there is, has that God spoken to us and revealed himself in a way that we can understand and know him? In other words, does God know me? Does God know about me? And can I know God? 
we're talking about the reality of God today, and, and I want to deal with that and, and the basic question of that reality of God, that God is indeed real. Uh, I find it very fascinating that of the 41,173 verses of the Bible, one half of one verse is given to the atheist. <laughs> of the 774,746 words that are in the Bible, 11 words are given to the atheist. But we have to remember that big things come in small packages, don't they? And in this one short statement that we're going to look at here in Psalm 14, we learn some tremendous truths about the reality of God. And what I want us to see first and what I want us to notice first is the reality of God is denied by the foolish. Notice uh, what verse 1 of Psalm 14 tells us. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. There's no God. Here we have what the atheist says about God. What does he say? There's no God. Then we have what God says about the atheist, what his thoughts are concerning an atheist. Notice what it says in verse 1. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. But God, what does he call that atheist in the, the, the second word of the verse? He calls him a fool. That's what God thinks about an atheist. <laughs> now I find that very humorous that God is speaking about someone who doesn't even believe in him. I, 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 I read a, about a, a child that was raised in an atheist family and one day, the, the child, they, they were all sitting there at the dinner table eating, and he looked at his mom and dad, and he said, Do you think God knows that we don't believe in him? Almost as if he doesn't waste his breath, God just simply mutters fools. Those that say there is no God, they're fools. This world is full of some absolutely brilliant Fools, aren't they? There are people that have their doctorate degrees in all kinds of advanced sciences and mathematics and chemistry and all kinds of stuff. that They, they lead major universities and, and can answer all kinds of, of physical questions. But spiritually, they don't know their ABCs. They might know the answer to E equals MC squared and how to apply that, but they can't tell you and count beyond one, two, three spiritually. They, they, they see a, a car and they believe in a manufacturer. They, they, they see a portrait and they believe in the artist. They, they see a book and they believe in the author, but they see a creation and they refuse to believe in a creator. It's all by accident in their minds. I heard about an atheist one time that was complaining to another fellow that he worked with, and he said, you know, the Christians have all the holidays. They have Easter, they have Christmas, and, and we don't have any holidays. I, I think there ought to be a, a holiday for an atheist. And his co-worker looked at him and said, well, try out April Fool's. <laughs> now, uh, there are some that may think a message like this is, 
it's not very relevant anymore. It's not relevant to churches. It's not relevant to our society. We know there's a, a percentage of Americans that don't believe in God. It's a smaller percentage, but the scary part is that percentage is growing faster than church growth. And probably a majority of everybody that walks into a church building says they believe in God. But we may see today that there might be people here, there might be people in our lives, there might be people in our families that have a different view, that even say, well, God may exist, but I don't know. You notice in verse 1, the words, there is, and they're in italics. What that means, typically when you're reading through your Bible, especially the King James, and you find words that are in italics, they're words that were added to help give clarity. In the original language, those words, those particular words aren't there. So what the verse actually says here is, the fool has said in his heart, no God. Now, this is the person who, who wants nothing to do with God at all. He has uh, no use for God's person, no use for God's principles, no use for God's people, and, and absolutely no use for God's purposes. In effect, there, there are two kinds of atheists today. There's the intellectual atheist, and there's the practical atheist, and... and I'll drill it down a little bit more and call it a Christian atheist, and we'll, I'll get to that here in just a minute. There's the person that believes there is no God, and that is the intellectual atheist that, that has that firm belief that God does not exist. But then there's the person who behaves as if there is no God, and that's what you might call the practical atheist. There, there are far more, I think, practical atheists in churches and in society than you might even realize. And then there are what I, what I, what I call Christian atheists, those that know there is a God but live like he doesn't exist. Obviously, God is right in calling the person who, who doesn't believe in him foolish. He's right in that. I mean, he is the creator of all things, and, and, and he has that right, and he's right in, in doing that. But the most foolish person in the world is not the person who says he does not believe in God, but the most foolish person in the world is the person who says he does believe in God, but then goes out and does whatever he wants to do because, well, I'd rather live like this. Now, we can understand why God called a person like that foolish, especially to know there is a God, but you don't let that truth change your life. If a person knew that there is no God and even said so, that would be somewhat of a wise person and, and even courageous for telling uh, the, the rest of us that we're wrong. At least that's how society would view it. If he didn't know whether there was a God or not and said so, he'd at least be an honest skeptic, wouldn't he? I think so. If a person is convinced that there is no God when actually there is, 
he would be mistaken. He would just be merely mistaken. But the reason God calls this person foolish is because deep down he knows there is a God, at least some, something that is beyond all of us, and yet chooses to believe and act like there is no God. You may not think you fall under any of those, that, that category of foolish, but let me, let me give you some examples of practical and even Christian atheism. You see, a, a foolish person is a person who says that he or she believes in God, but then doesn't make any effort to pray and uh, live for Him or, or work for Him or serve Him. Or uh, A foolish person is that one who says he, he believes in the Bible, he believes in the work of God, but couldn't tell you the difference between the Genesis and the concordance, <laughs> what's in between. A foolish person is the person that says that, that hell and heaven, they're absolutely real, but they, they don't seem to be concerned about others and where they're going to spend their eternity. Many of you know the name Madeline Murray O'Hara. She was a, a leading atheist of several years ago, and she was quoted as saying one time, I'm an atheist, not because I've searched behind every star and looked under every rock to prove there is no God. I'm an atheist because I live my life as if there were no God. And for that, God says, what a fool. But we notice secondly here, the reality of God is detested by the filthy. First, the, the fool speaks about God, and then God speaks about the fool. It says, they have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. We see that in verse 3. The, the word corrupt in the original language, it, it literally means soured milk. This is a person who the, the milk of character has curdled on the inside, so to speak. You'll never understand atheism unless you realize it is not so much a, a, a mental problem as much as it is, and more specifically, a moral problem. The atheist is not a person who cannot believe, but it is a person who will not believe, who chooses willfully not to believe. He doesn't have a, a, a head problem. It's not something between the ears, but it's a, a, a heart problem. It's a matter of conscience. Verse 1, if you go back, it says, They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, and there is none who does good. You see, God, he, he takes a, a spiritual x-ray of the heart of the unbeliever, and, and here's what uh, that, that spiritual x-ray reveals. The reason why the atheist wants to deny God is not because there is no evidence that God is, is a truth and that God is a reality. The problem is, the result is, God is a threat to those who want to be their own God and do as they please and live as they please without any kind of reality. 
repercussions. Atheism is not primarily an intellectual problem. It is at the very root a spiritual problem. Think about it in, in, in these terms. Where there is no God, then there is no good. Because Jesus said to the rich young ruler, only God is good. If there is no God and there is no good, then what does that mean? That means there's no judgment. We can't judge anyone. And God, if God doesn't exist, then whatever you want to do is fine and it's right. We can't judge that. And if there is no God and there is no good, then there is absolutely no hell. If there is no judgment and there's no hell, then you can live any way that you want to live and no one has the right to tell you that you're living wrong. And there will not be any repercussions or consequences for your actions if there is no God. Now we get to the, the root of the rejection of atheists. Psalm 10, if you go back just a couple of Psalms, Psalm 10 verse 13, it tells us or it asks this question, why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? If there is no God, then men like Vladimir Stalin can kill 20,000 Russians without any repercussions. If there is no God and there is no accounting, then Hitler was absolutely right to annihilate millions of Jews and get away with it. You, you think of any atrocity throughout history, if there is no God, then they were right in doing what they did and there was no repercussion or reason for repercussions. If God does not exist, then everything is permissible. I mentioned Madeline Murray O'Hare just a few moments ago. Her son, William Murray, um, he was the chief plaintiff in the Supreme Court case, uh, the Murray versus Curlett, in which uh, prayer and Bible reading were removed from public schools. Some of you may remember that case. And, uh, but 30 years after that particular Supreme Court decision, on June 17, 1993, William Murray, who uh, had since given his life to Jesus Christ, he, he told a, a crowd of almost 6,000 people on that date, he told them this, My family's rejection of God was not intellectual. He said, we did not remove God from America's schools because of separation of the church and state. We simply did not want to hear the word of God because it was contrary to the lives that we lived. Hmm. Getting to the root of the problem now, aren't we? The scriptures tell us that there are uh, three characteristics of anyone that denies the reality of God. First of all, the foolish are marked by ignorance. Verse 2 here of Psalm 14, it tells us, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Without God, uh, there are two things you'll never know. You'll never know truly how to live, and you'll never know truly how to die. 
And those are the two most important things. You see, without God, you'll never understand what is wrong with this world or how to make it right. The foolish are also marked by intolerance. Do we see this in our society today? Everybody is tolerant except for those that say what someone else is doing is wrong, then they're all of a sudden intolerant. By definition, aren't they being intolerant by calling you intolerant? I'll leave that for another time. But they're, they're intolerant. The Bible says in verse 4, Have they no knowledge? All the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread. Not only does the, the unbeliever attack the, the person of God, he attacks the, the people of God. The bullseye on, on Satan's target that he has on America is the religious, what, what some deem the religious right. Those that are humanist and, and the materialistic people of the world and, and atheists, they absolutely hate the, that religious right. Do you know why? Because we are both religious and right. <laughs> and the more that you love God, the, the, the more that the world is going to hate you. It's just a matter of fact. Jesus said in John chapter 7 and verse 7, The world cannot hate, hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. And he went on later to say a few chapters later in John chapter 15 and verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. But you also see that the foolish are marked by indifference and do not call on the Lord. That's what it says there in the latter part of verse 4 of Psalm 14. They do not call on the Lord. The reason why an atheist can't find God is the same reason that a, a thief can't find a policeman. <laughs> they don't want to find God because if they do... Everything changes, and they don't want it to change. Because that change would have to involve how they live their life and accountability, and they don't want that. The problem with an atheist is not with his faith. The problem with an atheist is with the facts. An atheist may not lack confidence, but that atheist... He doesn't lack evidence that God exists. And as we're going to see a little bit later on, he's declared by the facts. Well, something else I want you to notice this morning is the reality of God is discerned by the faithful. Notice uh, verse 5 here. Psalm 14, verse 5. There... They are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. Notice that phrase there, for God is with the generation of the righteous. God is not seen primarily by the eyes in our head. He's not primarily seen by our imaginations, but rather by the eyes of our heart, the thing that we call faith. Verse 1, it tells us that the unbeliever doesn't see God, but now 
verse 2 tells us why. And it's because he doesn't seek God. He doesn't want to see God. And you can see the power of God by, by the eyes in, in our head, but you can only see the person of God by the eyes in our heart, by what we believe by faith. The reality of God is only truly known by faith, isn't it? Now, now, that's not something that should bother you. Some people that does bother, but it, it shouldn't bother you. Don't let these pseudo-intellectuals and, and, and scientists ridicule you because you live by faith. The fact of the matter is, guess what? They do too, because to be an atheist, it takes faith. Faith that there is no God. There is a professor <clears throat> that once admitted to his class, he, he said this about his own atheism. Even as the evangel evangelical Christian accepts God by faith, he says, I reject the idea of God by faith. I cannot reject God by reason alone for there is too much evidence of his existence. By faith, I am an atheist. So it's not a matter of atheists don't have faith. They do. They have faith in the fact that there's not a God. That's why we read in verse 1 of our text, The fool has said in his heart, Not his head, there is no God. It's true that when it comes to God and his reality, we walk by faith and not by sight, don't we? But that's all right. Why is it all right? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can say without shame, without regret, that I would rather live by faith than to die in doubt. See, I, I believe in God. But more than that, I know God through Jesus Christ, His Son. And I can say today beyond any shadow of a doubt, God is real. I understand the reality of God. And I hope that you do too. If, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've accepted Him, then our life should reflect the belief that we have that God is real. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it starts by believing God is real. Admitting that, hey, you know what? I have messed up. And because I have messed up, I, I'm accountable to somebody. And believe that Jesus Christ is the one that, that paid your sin debt. That, that he is the son of God that, that came and died on a cross for your sins and can save you when you confess your sins and, and call on him to come into your heart. Maybe you forgot about some of these things and, and you, you've kind of let that reality of God go to the wayside. Maybe today you just need to, to come back to him and say, Lord, forgive me. I know you're real. Let me live my life in a way that pleases you and proves to a lost and dying world that you are real. Let's bow.
Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne of grace once again, we thank you for our time together in your word, your holy scriptures. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for the truth that you are real. You're not just a figment of our imagination. You're not just something conjured up to, to help us get through. You're not just a crutch because, dear Lord, we're all crippled, and that's what a crippled man needs is a crutch. But you're so much more than that. Heavenly Father, you are real, and we thank you for, for that very fact. And because you are real, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt Jesus Christ is real. That, that he came and died for our sins. And, and Heavenly Father, that by faith um, through grace, we, we have access to you, salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray today that take the, the words of this message and, and more importantly, your word, you use it as, as you see fit. And dear Lord, we'll just give you all the honor and glory for the results thereof. All these things we ask in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you. I'll turn it back over to you guys this morning. 